Good morning. On behalf of the Tinder family, the association members, elders, deacons, and members, I welcome you here this morning to this homegoing service as we celebrate here Brother Horton Franklin Pinder homegoing service. Let me express our sincere Christian condolences on behalf of CBC family. According to God's word, Brother Pinder is absent from the body and is present with the Lord, whom he loved in his life and in his deeds. This is indeed a bittersweet time. We know that he is with the one he loves. And I don't think any of us will want to take that away from him. But we also know that he has left behind those who love him deeply. We thank God for his life. And I just want to welcome you here this morning. Because I know, if not all of you, most of you have been touched by his life. And there are many, many scores who are not here that I know that he has touched because he touched them through me. I would like to leave a voice of a hymn with you that I am convinced speaks of Brother Frank's life. Think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Of taking hold of a hand and finding it's God's hand. Of breathing new air and finding it celestial air. Of feeling invigorating and finding it immortality, of passing from storms and tempests to an unbroken calm, of waking up and finding yourself home. It's heaven. I believe with all of my heart it He could speak this morning. The one thing that he would say is make your election sure. Do you know my Jesus? That was the kind of man he was. Let us quiet our hearts now as we commit our time here to the Lord.
our God and our Father. We thank you that we can pause this morning with grateful hearts for the opportunity to look back on the life of your servant, one who loved you, wanted to be so much with you. Now he has his request. But yet our hearts are sorrowing. Thanks be to God is not like those without hope because we know in whom he believed. And we know that you are able to keep that which he has committed unto you against that day. Father, as we celebrate this homegoing service, we ask that you would quiet our hearts. Lord, before us, we, we can see the brevity of life. Yes, you have blessed him with a good life, a long life. But yet, for many of us, we will never see his age. Lord, I pray that if anyone is present here this morning that do not know you as Lord and Savior, the best thing he or she could do is to make that commitment to you this morning. And I am convinced that Brother Frankie would be grateful because he knows that you will see him again. Father, put a hedge around about this family. Thank you for his wife. Lord, we thank you because we know she misses him, she loves him, and the rest of the family as well. But Lord, I pray that you will encourage their hearts and remind them, Lord, that you are the God of all the earth and you do all things well. And it's your timing. His days were numbered before he came into this world. There are no surprises to him. So we ask, O oh God, that you will give wisdom this morning, give guidance, direction, and whatever is done this morning, may you, Lord God of hosts, the God of our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be lifted up. For you said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Get glory for yourself this morning and bless us as we celebrate the life of Brother Frankie. I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We are now going to have the Old Testament uh, reading by Reverend J. Harvey. I want to thank you for being here this morning. I want to um, say a word to the family. Thank you for how you have taken in our mom. Frank, um, he loved our mom, and I'm thankful for that. And um, he was not our dad, but he treated us like a father with his son and his daughter. And so we're grateful for it. I'm thankful for the years, the stories that he told. 
some that I didn't understand, but some that uh, we laughed at. And so this morning, this time for him, we thank you, though, for being here. And I know his desire would be that in everything that is done, that the Lord would be honored and glorified and his name lifted up. I'm reading from Psalm 40. The last two verses of this that I read this morning especially, I think, speak of him because I don't know of a time that I ever went with him anywhere that he didn't tell someone about the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my heart and my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Good morning. Shortly before his death in 1960, the writer of Great is Thy Faithfulness, which we are about to sing, wrote the following words, and I quote, God has shown me many wonderful displays of his providing care, which have filled me with astonishing greatness. And I believe that Brother Frankie really would uh, concur with those sentiments and also with the writer of Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness we'll ask everyone at this time beside the immediate family to please stand as we sing this hymn great is thy faithfulness Oh, man. 
and to the family. God is faithful and the God of all comfort will continue to sustain and keep you during this time of great loss and pain. Coming now with tributes are Mr. Wade Sands, followed by Pastor Gary Curry. Uh, these few words is in no way intended to represent the whole of my 50-year partnership and friendship with Frank, but merely, I repeat, merely a few remarks in the course of our lives. Fifty years, half of a century. That is how long Frank and myself have been partners. During these years, we have never had a single argument, but we have had some disagreements, but always agreed to disagree and go on. I first met Frank in Roxanne Luther, where I was visiting my brother. My first memory of him, I saw him pushing a wheelbarrow up the street, filled with pineapples and tomatoes. It was a strange thing to me. I had never seen that before. And I asked my brother, who is that boy pushing the buggy? My brother replied, that is a local boy named Frank. When he comes to your house, you might as well get your money. He will make you buy something. Even at an early age of 10 to 12, he was a born salesman. Eventually, Frank moved to Nassau, and our friendship continued. We began to attend the same church, Evangelistic Temple, which later became Glad Tidings Tabernacle. Frank started to clean cars out of his yard which later became Pindus Simonizing Service and later became Pindus Order Sales. I had sold my furniture business and had some cash money when Frank approached me to buy in with him to purchase Bahamas Bus and Truck Company. Even though I knew nothing about cars, Frank said, I will teach you, which is apparent we both became successful and then we expanded to multi-furniture, multi-order parts, multi-super party center, friendly Ford, Sandpin Motors, and Elite Motors. I would be amiss if I did not say that both Frank and myself gave God the glory for all of success, along with a godly team of men and women staff. I won't call names. Some might get missed. I pray God bless all our management and staff. I can speak volumes of how God worked on our behalf all through our business dealings. Some people said that everything we touched turned to gold, but we did have setbacks. We made some bad business dealings, 
But through it all, we saw the hand of God leading us all the way. Frank Pinder was a one-of-a-kind man. He, like myself, had very limited education. But Frank had an uncanny business sense. He was gifted with common sense. And I owe a lot of our success to his gift in those areas. Frank could not pass a penny on the street. I have seen him take his little knife and dig pennies out of the tall road. He called these picked-up money. He took a great delight in recovering these coins. It hurt him to see people carelessly throw away coins. It actually thrilled him to get these coins, and soon he had an army of people picking up coins, which returned he gave them to missions and Calvary Bible Church. I recall one year he gave over $600, as he called it, picked up money. Frank had a powerful, life-changing, born-again experience with Jesus Christ. Frank was not timid in giving his testimony to everyone he met. He was a soul winner. Frank was faithful, committed, dedicated, and loyal to whatever he put his mind and hands to. You could always count on him. He was a hard worker. Frank was a man of integrity and honesty, one who could be trusted. If Frank said yes, it was yes. If no, it meant no. Frank, apart from being a very successful merchant, had a God-given gift of wisdom. He could tell you what would be a sound investment or not. If Frank gave you advice, take it. Frank loved people and the church. He liked to read his Bible and he loved to pray and was a devoted family person. It was a privilege and a joy to have known Frank Pinder, my brother. My partner. One of my best friends. He was a blessing. An inspiration in my life. I have an extreme void in my life. Frank, I will miss you. I don't know how to manage without you. I'm very sorry you had to go. But I will see you in the morning. Just inside. Easily get.
I don't know if there's much I can add to what Wade said about Frank. He certainly embodied all that he was and more. As a teenager, I became one of the friends of his two stepchildren, mostly Collins in those days. We all lived down in the Doswell Street area. We, Collins and I became friends along with several others, other young boys in the area. And um, their home was the meeting place of all of us. This is where we gathered and um, became involved together. Um, did a lot of spearfishing together. Frank was always with us. He was, as Wade mentioned, the fact that he was a family man. He devoted himself to his family. He was always involved in whatever the family was doing and always involved other people. We spent many times out on a little eight-foot skiff out around um, Rose Island and those other islands, spearfishing on holidays and on the beaches. He made sure that the family were always uh, had a good vacation and um, provided for that. I, I guess one of the most important things that I would thank him for is that he allowed me to marry his only daughter. In those days, there were a lot of other young men hanging around. <laughs> they, they would have liked the opportunity to do that, but um, Frank gave his approval to me, and I was ever grateful for that. So I became involved in the family more than 60 years ago, and um, and then, as Wade mentioned about cleaning cars, he made sure all the guys that hung around the house, when he was cleaning cars, that you had to pitch in and help. So I learned very early how to clean cars and take care of those. But down through the years, Frank devoted himself to his family. He was always concerned, always interested. As our family grew and uh, Patty and Sharon came along, he was committed to them and, and uh, embraced us all in a wonderful family. All the family trips that we could remember, the good times that we had, he made it possible for us to travel, to, to enjoy the holidays, to go, go places together and do things together. We would not have traveled as much as we have if it had not been for him and him wanting to be a part. The times that he had taken us as a whole family on a cruise or some other vacation. We'll never forget those. When our grandchildren were born, he made sure that they would have a college education if they wanted it, providing insurance for them. But there's one thing that the family will always remember. Frank never put an overemphasis on material things. 
his first priority was to make sure that everyone in the family knew about Jesus and became a Christian and served God. He never tried to control us with his money. He never tried to dictate what we do with our money. If he ever gave us any, he was always very generous, not only to the family, but to everyone. Frank was a very generous man. He always said that God allowed him to have money to help people. And I'm sure many of you in here know that. He would say to me often, um, as a pastor, he would say, Gary, if you have anybody in your church that has a real need, let me know, and I will help them. He had an extended hand, open hand, to all people who had legitimate needs and always sought to provide for them, to help them whenever he could. His generosity has gone to many places around the world. He has supported uh, missionaries and those who are in need. When we began building our new sanctuary, the largest single, single contribution that we received was from Frank. He supported our ministry. When I um, went in ministry for the first time in 1958, I think it was, and Murder and I moved to Rock Sound to pastor there, he was our consistent supporter and helper, always encouraging, always there to help. He was a great inspiration of my ministry and my life and my family. Our children all know that um, and smile sometimes. It's, he would always tell them, don't worry about the material things. If they got in an accident, they mashed a car or did something, his first question was, are you hurt? Are you okay? Yeah, but the car is matched. That could be replaced, he says. That's only tin. Don't worry about that. If you're okay, it's fine. Money never made a difference in his life. From the time that we used to go on the beach and we the can of corned beef and a loaf of bread, to the time he could have bought the best of food. Frank Pender never changed. He was consistent, the same person, always. He was a lover of people. He loved people. He wanted to be around people. Wade talked about his, his commitment to Christ and his witnessing to people. He rejoiced whenever People came to know the Lord, particularly people that he had witnessed to, that he had talked to the Lord about. That was his greatest joy, to know that they had come to know Christ and become a Christian. His faith in God was unshakable. He had limited education, as Wade mentioned, when he got uh, semi-retired after his open-heart surgery. He then wanted to read. He was not a good reader. But the real purpose behind his desire to read 
was so he could read the Bible. And his textbook for learning how to read was the Bible. He spent hours reading the Word of God, discussing the Word of God, talking about it. The last several weeks, several weeks that we spent with them in Lakeland, he talked so much about heaven, the Word of God, and reminisced about the past and the influences and the people that were in his life that he really respected and honored. He could see, as Wade mentioned, he had an uncanny ability to see the future. When I say that, he, he could see things happening. Many times we would we would drive around and he would point out to a particular piece of property and he would say, you know, I saw that coming. I knew that was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. Even in Lakeland, we drove around and he would show me the days that he spent there, some properties that he would have bought. And he said, I knew this was going to happen as he saw the development. He had that uncanny vision about the future. He he saw the same thing in the lives of our children and our and our grandchildren. He always said, I, I know what they're going to they're be this and they're going to be able to accomplish this. He was very proud of his family, proud of their accomplishments and what we were all able to do. And I can reminisce here all day, and I'm not going to do that, but I just want to conclude. It doesn't make any difference, really, what relationship you had with Frank. Whether he was a friend or just an acquaintance or someone that you knew. And like the family, there were those of us who called him uncle. We had many that called him Uncle Frank, even those that were not necessary, his uncle. The closer family, we would call him Par or Popsy or whatever. But it doesn't make the, we ever called him. The place that he filled in our life could never be filled by anyone else. He was a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather. The greatest that we could ever have. He will leave a hole in all our relationships. When he married Marguerite, he embraces the whole Harvey family, treated them like they were his own. And they likewise accepted him and our family is so grateful and thankful for Marguerite and the Harvey family. They have loved and cared. And Marguerite has taken care of him these nine years. Many of them have been difficult. 
He has been very sick in and out of hospitals many times. But we're grateful to her. Thankful. We could not have done as a family what she has done in taking care of Frank. And so thank you, Margaret. And so today, all of us, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Mert, all the family, today we are missing one of the most influential people in our lives, the one that we loved and cherished, and will continue to talk about that influence that he had in our lives. We will miss him, but we will remember him for all the good and the blessings that he bestowed upon all of us through his life and his support, his love, his care, and generosity. Thank you. We thank God for the memory, the precious memories shared concerning our dear brother. Thank you, Brother Wade Sands and Pastor Curry for sharing those precious thoughts with us. Today we also acknowledge the presence of a former Prime Minister, the Right Honorable Hubert Ingram, our former Deputy Prime Minister, the Honorable Brent Simonette, many men of the clergy, including Pastor Tom Roberts, Pastor Jay Sims, See Pastor Lamb as well, and other men of God. We are thankful for your presence. But most of all, we are thankful for the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. David says, you will show me the path of life and afterward receive me into glory. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Let's stand again in honor of his presence beside the immediate family as we sing about the presence of our Lord. Oh, we 
presence, Lord, we praise you for being here today. You may be seated in his presence. As Mr. Clay Harvey comes now with the New Testament scripture reading. When thinking about New Testament scripture that I thought would would um, represent what Frank Pender would once said this morning. I thought of three different passages. And um, one is the hope that we have in Christ. One would be because he always was giving instruction. One for instruction. And then one would be just for his overall Choice and joy that would be his if we, as a family especially, but even as a people, followed his instruction. First Thessalonians 4, a very well-known scripture, beginning with verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, them also, which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
is Paul's um, instructions that he was given to Timothy. And I felt especially his family. I can see Pa, Popsy, sitting us down and saying this to us, beginning with verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which have come over me, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, and evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And this is what he would say to us. But continue thou... get it but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child this is terrible but I'm going to do this and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then, if we will listen to that, if we will heed that, Third John says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly, when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. And then verse four says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Mr. Tillman Bethel is coming now with a solo and he would be followed by a tribute by Pastor Jerry Sawyer. Good morning. I want to thank Sister Marguerite and family for the honor of being able to sing at a man that was a role model to me since I was a little boy at Calvary Bible, in fact, from Evangelistic Temple. And I've always looked up to him and his advice. I remember one Sunday, a couple of years ago, he came to me. I'd gotten up to sing a solo, and I didn't have on my jacket and tie. And Brother Frankie said, young man, he always used to call me young man. He said, you did well in your singing and honoring God, I said, but I think you should have had on your coat and jacket. <laughs> and, you know, I respected Brother Frankie because Brother Frankie was a man of great wisdom. And I thank God for what he has meant to me in my life and to all of the Pinder family. This song, I'm sure, will be a blessing to them.
When I think of how he came so far from glory, came and dwelt among the lowly, such as I, to suffer shame and such disgrace on Mount Calvary take my place then I ask myself this question who am Would lay down. 
Sister Pinda, Pastor and Sister Curry, and members of the family. <clears throat> On behalf of the pastors, the deacons, the members of the association, and the family of this incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, we want to extend to you our sincere Christian condolences. Please permit me a few moments as I reflect of my personal knowledge and the church on Brother Frankie. I came to know Brother Frankie in the year 1962, 50 years ago. And as we have been reflecting here at Calvary this past month on our 50th anniversary, and during these days, my thoughts have been going back to the events of that year. Pastor Weech, as many of you know, felt the Lord was calling him to a work of an independent, non-denominational, community-minded, Bible-believing church. And he was praying and seeking God's will just how that would come about. Early one morning, as I have been informed, there was a man sent from God. I say it, there was a man sent from God whose name was Frank. He knocked on the door of Pastor and Sister Reach's home. There he offered his business place, Pendus Simon Eisen, as a place that the first service of Calvary Bible Church could be held. I do not think anyone else, or even Brother Frankie, at that time, realized the full extent of that commitment because Calvary Bible Church would meet there in that showroom and the adjacent property for almost a year. Brother Frankie was so willing to take the new cars that he had just started the dealership with and take them and put them outside out of the building into the elements so Calvary Bible Church could be born and have the use of that building. And many times as I pass that place I wonder and I have to say it was a miracle only from God that over 400 people were assembled there on that first evening. 
Brother Frankie played his part. He obeyed the Lord. The Lord had called him and spoken to him and told him to go to the witches. And that was the beginning of Calvary Bible Church. I was only a young boy of 17 at that time. But I began with the church. Brother Frankie took me under his wing and I began to usher with Brother Frankie. Brother Frankie loved to be at the door of the church to greet everyone that came in. And so, Brother Frankie, he really taught me how to be able to visit and to greet those people. I have been blessed over these 50 years to have been able to serve with Brother Frank. Brother Frank became one of the founding members of our church council and served for many years. And in 1969, when we call it the association or the board of trustees of Calvary Bible Church was founded. Brother Frank became an original member and he served until this past week the Lord called him home. But I personally have been blessed to have served with him both on the church council and on the association. And Brother Frank's was always about God's business. Nothing for God could be done partway or halfway. It had to be done with at all the best that you had. And I recall my time with Brother Frank, I would close and say, the great Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and I quote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And if you knew Brother Frank, you knew that was his life. Whenever he had an opportunity, and wherever, and to whomever, he shared the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, Calvary Bible Church is going to miss Brother Frank. Yes, I know the family will miss him more. But let me assure you, in the annals of our history, we will see that this memory of Brother Frank is passed on from generation to generation. He will not be forgotten in the annals of our history, in our hearts, and in our minds. May the Lord bless you.
like to thank Mr. Clay Harvey for those challenging words from the scripture and Mr. Tillman Bathel and Pastor Sawyer for sharing those thoughts with us. Pastor Frankie, Brother Frankie, was no doubt a pillar of Calvary Bible Church. One who valued faithfulness. He himself being a faithful man. And it's a privilege for me to sing in memory of his honor. Who was a faithful husband, a faithful father, a faithful man of God. May all who come behind us find us faithful. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road And those who've gone before us line the way Cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race Not only for the prize But as those who've gone before us Let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the that we leave, lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. All our hopes and dreams have come and gone And our children, they sift through all we've left behind May the clues that they discover And the memories they uncover Become the light that leads them to the road we each must Oh, may all who come behind us find us 
afternoon. Anton has greeted our special guests and established a protocol, so I say to Sister Marguerite, Sister Myrtle, other members of the family, along with the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, Nancy and I share in both your sadness and your joy, and we weep with you at the homegoing of your beloved husband, Frankie Pinder. He's also, of course, a granddad, an uncle, a great-granddad, a brother, and, as was mentioned, a founding pillar of this local church. His smiling face and exuberant greeting would be greatly and sadly missed by members of this body, and I'm sure by others elsewhere. But please be assured of our love and our commitment to be by your side as you go through these days ahead, and his absence becomes really a force in your life. I will certainly miss his stories of his boyhood on Eleuthera and his many experiences of telling people about Jesus Christ. He had no hesitancy or shame in doing so. In fact, one of the most memorable times he told me of was the time, and this stuck with me, was the time that he was meeting with some executives either from Korea or Japan. I'm sure it wasn't from China because the Chinese don't make cars. They make phones and they make computers, but no cars. But they were in this meeting, I understand, and they were all exchanging their greetings. And they were going around, these big executives, I want to introduce to you so-and-so, I want to introduce to you so-and-so. When it comes to Frank time, Frank says, gentlemen, I would like to introduce to you the greatest friend in my life, Jesus Christ. Wow. I said to myself, only someone like Frank Pender could do something like that. But he was just as eager to share the gospel with the foreman folk as well. Vader, or Vedas, waitresses, gardeners, whoever. Everyone was concerned for him when it came to knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. There's one phrase, I believe, which embraces and includes everything that has been said and can ever be said about this great man of God. And that's the phrase. Frank Pender was a man of God. He loved his God. He loved the Word of God. He loved the people of God. He loved to worship his God. He loved to study the Word of God. And he loved to fellowship with the people of God. Frank Pinder was a man of God. He loved witnessing about Christ. And he loved to see others come to faith in Christ. As I've already said, he would witness to the elite and prominent as easy as he would to the common folk. Tears came to his eyes recently, I understood, as he witnessed many young boys and girls coming to know Christ at Camp Bahamas. That's the kind of person Frank Bender was. As he loved to say, that's what it's all about. He loved his family, close family as well as extended. Frank was a faithful steward of God's gifts to him. He was a man of integrity, a man of conviction, and a man of principle. He was a man that could be counted on and depended upon. Certainly, of course, like all of us, he had his weaknesses and failures, but he was still a mighty man of God, one that will be greatly and sadly missed by this body, but one that will never be forgotten. The aroma of his godly life will linger on in our thoughts and our heart every time we see a penny in the street or on the sidewalk. And you better pick it up, 
or else somebody might visit you in the night. I've coined a phrase about, about Frank. It's this. Frank Pinder never met a penny he did not pick up. Frank Pinder never met a penny he did not pick up. You also breathe in the aroma of his presence when you are stuck in traffic. And you look around you and all you'll see on license plates is Sandbin, uh, Elite, Ford, or whatever. You remember Frank Pinder. The aroma of his life stays on with us. Uh, so when this happens to you in the traffic jam, just smile and say, thanks, Frank. That's what's it all about. About two years ago, maybe three years, he told me about an incident that happened to him as a young boy in Eleuthera. He said someone was looking for his father. And he came to his door and he knocked on the door. And he said, I'm looking for me daddy. I'm looking for me daddy. Me daddy here? And he called him me daddy. And you know, Frank went into that accent over there. I'm looking for me daddy. My daddy here? And Frank and I would ever laugh at that. So whenever I called him up, and he answered the phone, I say, I looking for Medidi, I looking for Medidi, Medidi here, and we would have a big smile over that. Well, Medidi is gone, but he certainly will not be forgotten. I was going to come up when when Wade was speaking to give support, but I stopped because I figured if I came up, both of us would start crying. Frank Pinder was a pillar in this assembly. He was faithful to God and his ministry through this assembly from its, found, from its founding to his going home to be with the Lord last Monday. He will be missed by every member of the incredible body of Christ here. Frank used the resources God was pleased to give him to help build the kingdom of God in ways that would be impossible for us to enumerate. And I don't think he would want us to. Because he always said, I'm going to help this person or this family, but don't let them know it was me. He wasn't doing it to be known. He was doing it to glorify God. Frank has, without a doubt, sent more of his sent more of his resources on ahead of him that he has left here on earth. He was a faithful steward of what God was pleased to bless him with. Above all, Frank was a humble man, a true witness of Jesus Christ. And of course, Jesus Christ was whom he was looking forward to seeing and being with. Heaven, Jesus, and the word of God, as Pastor Curry stated, were the themes upon his heart and lips during these past few weeks and months. He was looking forward to going home. He wanted to go home. He is there now. But as I mentioned, the aroma of his life of godliness and faithfulness remains with us even today. And so, Sister Marguerite, we sorrow with you over, the abs over his absence. But we also will rejoice with you over the glorious realization that he is now at home with the Lord that he loved and served so faithfully. And of course, that's far better, far better for him. And we must always remember that.
It's far better to be with the Lord than being here with us. Even the ones who love him, the ones whom he loved. It's a hard thing for us to understand in this time, but it is true. It is better for Frank to be where he is than to be here with us who love him so dearly. Because he's the one who loved, he's the, Jesus is the one that Frank loved more than anyone could imagine. And so we say, and it's not a trite statement, Frank is absent from the body, but he is present with his Lord. He is present. Please remember that he is present. Frankie would not come back to be with us now, even if he could do so. He's enjoying himself too much. And he knows that although we like to say it's better in the Bahamas, Frank will tell you right now, "Uh uh-uh, it's better in heaven to be with my Lord. You know, you know that, and I know that. We all say that, but Frank is experiencing that right now. So let us rejoice in that fact, even as we sorrow over his absence from among us. Now, this is the basis for the fact that as believers in Christ, we can grieve in a way far different from the person who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior. God doesn't say we should not or must not grieve. He just says that our grief is a different kind of grief. It what makes us, it marks our difference between being a born-again Christian and an unsaved person. It's our hope. What is your hope? There's so many people living today with a hopeless state. They don't know, they have no hope in this world, and they have no hope in the world to come. Frank Pinder was not such a person. Frank Pinder had a hope in this world, and he had a hope in the world to come. The good news here is that God has not left us without revelation directly from him for a time like this. One of the most precious things I've come to learn in trying to come up or to look at messages for services such as this, one of the most blessed truths I've come to learn is that God himself, God himself made a special revelation to his apostle to give to us at a time like this. God knew that we needed a word of comfort. So he made a special revelation to the Apostle Paul to give us words in times like that. And that's what I want to look at this morning. The passage has been read already, but we're going to look at it again. That's First Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. This was also a favorite passage of, of Frank. <clears throat> the last times we spoke on the phones, this is what we were talking about. First Thessalonians 4.13 and the blessed hope that we have as believers. This is how the apostle begins his passage here. With an explanation for his purpose for writing to the Thessalonians Christians. This is what he says in verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. The King James Version says to be ignorant. That means without knowledge. We do not want you to be uninformed brethren about those who are asleep that's a phrase that refers to people like Frank who believed in Jesus Christ but now have died that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope I want you to notice here the objective of Paul's writing this particular passage was to provide truth revelation that would allow those who have lost Christian loved ones to grieve with hope To grieve, yes, 
but to do so with hope. He told us what this, he will tell us what that hope is in a moment. But he doesn't want us to think that we are not to weep or to cry over loved ones. Some Christians believe that, that if you cry when a loved one is gone, you're not showing faith in Christ. That is far from the truth. Even Jesus Christ himself showed grief and sorrow over the loss of a loved one. And the passage tells us that Jesus burst out into tears at the grave of Lazarus. We grieve, yes, but not as those who have no hope. Here, Paul is stating a major distinction between believers in Christ and those who are not. One has hope, the other does not. This is especially demonstrated, Paul is saying, when individuals die. Although both sorrow, although both the saved and the unsaved grieve, one does so with hope, and the other does with a sense of hopelessness. One is what we might call a happy sorrow. The other is a hopeless sorrow. Paul is going to explain what makes the difference as he unfolds God's revelation to him. We want you to understand this now. It's only those who have this hope that Paul is talking about that can apply this truth to their lives. This passage of scripture is not for everyone. It's only for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, as we shall see, we as believers who understand God's revelation may sorrow over our loss of a loved one. Listen carefully now. We may sorrow over our loss of a loved one who believes in Christ, but we should never sorrow over their loss, because in actual fact, they have lost nothing. Just the opposite. They have gained, and they have gained everything, because they are now with the Lord, which is far better. To put it in business terms, you have more profit being there than being here. The Thessalonian believers were anxious because some teachers were apparently teaching that only the living would enjoy the full blessedness of Christ's appearance with the saints when he comes to set up his kingdom. And because they were expecting him to return at any time, they were concerned about their loved ones who had died. Would they miss out on this glorious event? Paul sets out to correct the false teachings and set their hearts at ease. But notice, Paul is very clear. Those without Christ have no hope. This message of comfort and hope, I say again, is only for those who know Christ as personal Savior. Please bear that in mind. And I'm saying that because one of the things that was always on Brother Frank's heart was the salvation for every member of his family, close and extended. And we, they all love him. And we all want to see him again. But I want to make it clear to you as family members as well as non-family members, the only way that we will ever see Frank Pinder again is if we accept the Christ that he accepted. No matter how much we love him, no matter how much we care for him, if we don't know his Savior, we will never see Frank Pinder again. We don't have that hope. It's only for those who have personally, specifically, individually placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Frank's faith cannot save you. It can be a challenge to you, but it cannot save you. You must place your faith in Christ himself. So Paul begins by giving an absolute assurance to the Thessalonians that the dead in Christ will share in the resurrection and be personally received into glory by Jesus himself. Verse 14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him 
those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. That's hope for a future resurrection. What Paul is saying is that we can be assured of the fact of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as we can be assured of our being resurrected when he comes back. If you believe one, you should believe the other. They're grounded on the same revelation from God. What better assurance can we have than this? Than as sure as Jesus Christ died and was raised again, it's just as sure that those of us, like Frank Pindo, who place faith in Jesus Christ, will be resurrected. That's how certain it is. And this is the comfort that Paul wants to give to those who have to face the loss of a loved one. Will they see them again? Paul is going to tell us, yes, they will. And they're going to see him in a new glorified body, as we say. We can be sure of the fact that we, our loved ones who have died believing in Christ, will be raised as sure, we are, as, sure as we are that Jesus Christ died and rose again. That's how sure we are that Brother Frankie's body and the bodies of all those who have died with faith in Christ will be raised, transformed, and translated into the very presence of Christ forever. That's the hope that Paul is giving in this message. That's our hope as well. I remember, uh, it's just about every time we spoke to Frank in the last few weeks, he says, Pastor Lee, I'm so tired. I feel weak. That's, you always, I'm so tired. I feel weak. But all that is gone. Frank Pender will never be tired again throughout eternity. He will never be frail again. He'll never be weak again. Frank Pinder knew that, and he looked forward to that time. Now, as I said, those who fall asleep in Jesus means those who have died trusting Jesus as Savior. Specifically, it's their bodies that have fallen asleep, not their spirit, not their soul. It's their bodies who have fallen asleep. Please think about this very carefully. Frank Pinder did not taste death. Listen carefully. Frank Pinder's last breath on this earth was his first breath in glory. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Did you understand that? Frank Pinder's last breath on this earth was his first breath present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No delay. No delay at all. So we could say in a real sense, Frank Pinder did not taste death. He was never separated from his Lord. Frank Pinder's last breath on earth was his first breath in glory. And so while we were here sorrowing as we should and grieving over Frank, Frank was glorying with his Lord. Beautiful truth, I think. It says God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Now see, Paul goes on to enhance this hope. Not only the hope that the body will be changed, there will be resurrection, and these who have died will be a part of that resurrection, but there will be a great reunion. And this is the thing that he's focusing on. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Now, we're not going to get time to talk about the rapture and all of that, the discussion that goes into it, but that is what comes into place here, what we call the rapture. 
But because, because of Jesus, in order to bring them back with him, was first of all, have taken them first. And we seem, the scripture tells us that uh, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, that's his spirit. But when this occurs, spirit and body will be reunited. And we will be forever as a transformed person in the presence of Christ. But not only us individually, but Paul is saying here in in the verse, We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, these folk were afraid that the those who died in the Lord would not be a part of the resurrection or the transformation. Paul is saying, listen now, not only are you wrong here, but these folk are going to be first in line in the resurrection. We are going to be in the caboose. They're going to be sitting first class because they're going to be raised first. Then we who are alive will be changed and we'll be met in the air. So he's saying, you grieving over them, you've got to correct your thoughts here. Listen. They've got a better place in this rocket to glory than you have. They are in first class. And you know Frank liked to go first class. They are going first class. We in the back in the economy. We're going to follow after him. But the point is, he says, that we will be with Christ forever. But he adds, we will be with Christ together. We will be together with Christ. To be a great union at that time. Like Brother Wade said, you meet him at the eastern gate? Well, I'm not sure that's correct, Brother Wade. You're going to meet him in the air. You're going to meet him in the air on his way to glory. That's why I always like to say I like to be as close to this casket as I possibly can. Because you know it is possible for that to occur right now. And if Frank is going to go first class, I'd like to be able to grab a hold of his coattail and go along with him. Because he's going to be gone first. So you see, we have so much joy. And this is what Paul is looking forward here to. We have so much joy to look forward to because of the resurrection, because of the transformation, because of the translation into the presence of Christ. But notice how he goes on. He ends up, he says, he's actually saying to them, Beloved, you need not be concerned about whether or not your loved ones who have died will miss the rapture. The fact is, they will actually be raptured before you. If we are alive and Christ comes to take us home, they will go before us. They are going to be raised, glorified, and transformed. If we are alive when the rapture occurs, we will meet those who have died in Christ in the air, not the other way around. In other words, we won't go first and then they come after us. It will be the other way around. By the way, this phrase, meet him in the air, is the reason why we believe there is a rapture. Because the meeting here is in the air. It's not on the earth. He closes the passage by saying in verse 16. For the Lord himself. Now I want you to notice again. The reason for this passage. Paul says by the word of the Lord. Meaning a direct revelation from God. This wasn't told in the Old Testament. This was the truth that God gave to Paul specifically for us at times like this. And he's doing it so that we might be comforted. Notice what he says. For the Lord himself, Jesus himself. That's a glorious truth. He's not going to send an angel to do this. Now, an angel might be around, but he's not going to do this. It is Jesus Christ 
himself. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Jesus loves to make noise. If you don't believe that, read the book of Revelation. Heaven is one of the most noisiest places you could ever find. In fact, so, that's so much so that when there was quietness one time, they had to give a headline. There was, there was, how does it go? There was no sound in heaven for one hour. Because you see, normally heaven is filled with a lot of sound, praise and glory. And so when there's no sound, there had to be a headline saying there was no sound in heaven for a year. The Lord himself will descend with the heaven with a shout. Now this is amazing. What is he going to say? Is he going to call us all by name? Some folks think they better do that or else everybody will hear the voice and come. They compare it with Lazarus. He said if Jesus didn't say, Lazarus, come forth, everybody who is dead will come forth. So maybe that is true. Maybe he's going to call us one by one. I don't know. But the point is, you're going to hear his voice. That's why after going over this passage this week, I've decided I'm not looking for signs anymore. I'm listening for a sound. I'm listening for a sound. I want to hear the shout of Jesus Christ. So I stopped looking for sound, for signs. I'm trying to listen for a sound. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Some scholars believe this is all the same thing. But I believe these are three distinct things. I believe that the voice of the, and notice it is the archangel. It is an a archangel, so it's probably Michael. And he was the one who always heads up and fights for the people of God. And he is going to call that sound, and it's going to be a certain sound. When that sound is given, the people of God will know it. And only the people of God will understand it. This sound will give a certain note, a certain sound, but it will only be heard by those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. What a glorious truth this is. Now, when it tells us here that we shall be caught up together with them, that is, like Brother Frank, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, this is a reunion. This is a reunion of all those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. And so again, I say especially to family members, if you have never placed faith in Jesus Christ, and you know Frank like family reunions, if you have never placed faith in Christ and you want to be in the greatest family reunion with Frank Pender, you must place your faith in Jesus Christ the way he did. You must do that. And that will be a glorious occasion. That will be a happy occasion. And we shall always be with the Lord forever. All those who know Frank and place their faith in him will be with Frank and will be with the Lord forever and with one another. And verse 18 closes it off. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And that's the whole purpose of this. It's to comfort those who grieve over the lost ones. Yes, we grieve, but we can, we can comfort it with this glorious hope of a resurrection that will transform our bodies to be just like Jesus Christ and give us a reunion with our loved ones and we will be together with Christ and them forevermore. This is the message of comfort, I say, because we are informed that if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, as Frank did, you will see him one day soon and you will, you will see him in a way you've never seen him before, transformed glorified, no pain, no aches, no tiredness, a new man in a new body on his way to a new home. But together 
we will all be with the Lord forever. Isn't that a glorious hope? Isn't that something to rejoice in? And so I say again, friend of the family, family member, do you have this blessed hope? A hope not only that you will see Frankie again, but that you will see and meet him in the air when he meets Jesus Christ. Do you have this hope? This hope is only yours if you place your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, the way Frank pinned it. I believe with all my heart that Frank, like Jesus, wants you to make that choice today. I'm positive Frank would want us to make that appeal to you to place your faith in Christ. You must accept him if you're going to see Jesus or Frank again. As Frank would say, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Jesus is our only hope in an otherwise hopeless world. And so will you accept Christ as your Savior right now where you are? Will you accept Frank Pinder's Savior as your Savior also? I pray that you do. If you do, we can leave here today and say with joy and with deep conviction, this death is for the glory of God. Will you accept Christ as your Savior? Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word of hope. No matter what words we may use to comfort the grieving at this time, we can never give them the kind of hope and comfort that you can. We thank you that you have done this through this passage today. That's the purpose for us, to comfort us in time of grief. Because we know that we have the blessed hope, not only of seeing our Savior, but seeing also all of our loved ones who place faith in Christ. And to see them in a way that we've never seen them here on earth. What a blessed hope this is. We thank you for it. And we pray, Father, that the prayer of Frank Pender's heart may be realized today in the life of a family member of a friend or a friend. Because they have placed faith in his Savior as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lee, for those words of hope shared from Scripture. And the fact that Brother Frankie's last breath on earth was his first in heaven. He is experiencing the presence of the Lord like never before. So let's sing that chorus one more time before we have the committal. Oh, the glory. Love your presence. Oh, the glory of your presence in your temple.
As noted in your bulletin, the service will conclude here. There will be no graveside service, so we'll go into the committal at this time. I want to read a passage of scripture again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, reading from verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If Frank would say, he would say, hallelujah. That's what he would say. Now, you know, there are many who say that we are too arrogant when it comes to the afterlife. How can we be so certain? How can we be so confident that we will be raised again? How are we certain that Frank Pinder's bodies will be changed and glorified? Well, we believe that Frank Pinder, like all believers, bodies will be changed because there was a time in Frank Pinder's life in Eleuthera where he placed his faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. He believed the scriptures which says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he realized that that spoke of him. He also believed the scriptures that said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ. He believed that and he accepted, he received Jesus Christ as a savior. He believed the scriptures that says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He believed that. And when Frank Pinder placed his faith in Jesus Christ, his sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as I take this red rose and I put it on the casket that there's the remains of our beloved brother. I do so with the assurance that his sins were forgiven, were cleansed by the blood of Christ because he placed his faith in Christ. And Frank Pender knew that it's only the blood of Christ that cleanses from sin. But something else wonderful happened when Frank Pender did that. Not only did the blood wash away his sins, but also God then clothed him with his own righteousness. And we need the righteousness of God in order to be in the presence of God. We need the righteousness of God. Our righteousness, the Bible tells us, are as filthy rags. No matter how good we are, no matter how much we give to the church, that is not enough to cleanse us from our sin or to clothe us with God's righteousness. Only the blood of Christ could do that, and only God can clothe us with his righteousness. And so the moment Frank Pender's sins were washed away, God clothed them with his own righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. So as I take this white rose and place it on the casket that bears the remains of Frank Pinder, I do so with assurance that Frank Pinder, because he was washed by the blood of Christ, 
and clothed with the righteousness of Christ, he became a new man. A new man. And he loved to glory in that, Frank, in, that, in, in that fact. Frank Pinder knew that he was a new man. Frank Pinder was a new man awaiting a new body. Frank Pinder believed the word of God. He believed God. He believed that it was impossible for God to lie. And if God told him that his sins were forgiven because he placed faith in Christ, he believed it. He believed it when he said that Christ was coming back. He believed the passage of scripture we just read, that his body would be changed. Frank Pinder believed the word of God. And so as I take this blue rose that speaks of the truthfulness of the word of God, I do so with the sure conviction that there was a time in Frank Pender's life when he was cleansed by the blood of Christ, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and he is trusting as a new man in the word of God to receive a new body. Frank Pender is anticipating a new body because the Bible tells us that when we place our faith in Christ, we become a new man, we await a new body, and that new man in a new body would be placed in a new Jerusalem, forever, forever to be with him. Frank Pender believed that there's a mansion in glory waiting for him. In fact, he's in it right now. Frank Pender believed that God would prepare a place for him. Frank Pender believed that he would walk on streets of gold. He believed that. He looked forward to that. And so Frank Pinder, because he placed faith in Christ, was cleansed in the, by his cleanse of his sin, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, became a new man. Trusting in the word of God, he's looking forward to a new body, a new body that will be transformed, a body that will be just like that of Jesus Christ. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more being tired. I will never hear Frank Pinder ever say again, Pastor Lee, I'm tired. Never again. Why? Because he's looking forward to a new body that will be placed in a new Jerusalem. And so as I take this, this is supposed to be gold, golden rose, and place it on the casket. I do so with the sure conviction that because Frank Pinder became a new man by placing faith in Christ that washed him of his sins, clothed him in the righteousness of Christ, and because he is trusting in the word of God that cannot lie, that he will be a new man placed in a new body that will be placed in a new Jerusalem. I believe and I know for a fact that Frank Pinder will be raised again and his body will be transformed to be one just like Jesus Christ. And the question is, do you have that hope? Do you have that hope? If Frank Pinder was here today, he would burst out in tears to ask you to come place faith in Jesus Christ and I do the same on his behalf let's pray Father we believe your word that tells us your word will not return unto you void but it will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it forth today. Like Frank Pinder, I believe you. I believe that to be a fact. And we rest in that. And we thank you for those who have today, right now, placed faith in Jesus Christ. 
Looking forward now to that glorious occasion when we will see him again in the air in a new body as we make our way to glory to be with our Savior forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. So this is a little unusual for a, a uh, processional, uh, but this is Frank's heart here in this song. So we want you to listen to the choir, and at the end, you can join us if you can. Thank you. <laughs> 